Well, turn with me now in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read briefly from Matthew chapter 13. Beginning in verse 34, and I'm going to read down to verse 52. Matthew 13, 34 through 52. Jesus is in the midst of his parables, which is actually a a common feature in Matthew's gospel. Matthew's gospel, one of the uniqueness, one of the unique features of it is that it transitions. It has Jesus doing a bunch of healings and miracles, and then it has Jesus doing a bunch of teaching. Then it goes back to his works, and then it goes back to his teaching. Back to his works, back to his teaching. I think there's three of them, maybe, um, throughout, the, throughout the Gospel of Matthew. But here we're looking at this teaching in Matthew 13. And he gives them a series of parables to teach them the nature of the kingdom of heaven. So Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 34. Hear the word of the Lord. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The son of man will send out his angels. And they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind which, when it was full, they drew to shore and they sat down. And gathered the good into vessels, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said to them, Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he said to them, Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasure, things new and old. Amen. Jesus, at the end here, compares himself to a steward, a household manager, 
who says that he's bringing out for his people this survey of all the treasures that he has, new and old. These are the treasures of the kingdom of heaven. This treasure includes an understanding of the way the world works. Through these parables, he is revealing to them the mystery that is hidden by what is right in plain sight. In other words, a parable serves as a lens to show us the truth behind what we think is true. In other words, my friends, we are so often wrapped up in the little details of life that we're actually missing the whole picture. That we're missing the point of what is happening in life. And Jesus explains to us that the beating heart of the kingdom of God is his love for sinners and his desire that they dwell in close proximity with saints so that some of them might flip sides and in the harvest be with him. Beloved, we have a Jesus who wisely and patiently runs the world for the saving of his family. With this in mind, turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 2. Our sermon series in the book of Proverbs continues this morning with Proverbs chapter 2. Solomon continues in this introduction to wisdom. He has introduced his son to wisdom. What it is, where do you get it? What do you do with it? We're in the middle of it, and we've looked at what it is. We're now going to look at how to get it, and then in the subsequent weeks, we'll look at what do you do with it. And here in chapter 2, which we'll look at together this morning, 1 through 22, Solomon is explaining what to do with wisdom, to seek it out. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 22. Here again, the word of the Lord. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding... Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice. And preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice. Equity and every good path. When wisdom enters your heart. And knowledge is pleasant to your soul. Discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. To deliver you from the way of evil. From the man who speaks perverse things. From those who leave the paths of uprightness. To walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. 
So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. Amen and amen. Ken Burns, in his documentary, said that the national parks were America's best idea. As somebody who spent a little time in the national parks, I would add that if having wild and wilderness available to all people everywhere is our best idea, then having well-marked trails through the wilderness is our second best idea. So that we thoroughly domesticated Americans can survive our little walks in the wild. You know what I'm speaking of, right? Where you go into the woods and there are those great towering brown tree trunks leafed out in thick dark green and blazoned on the side is the most unnatural colors imaginable. No plant had ever produced that yellow, that orange, that green, that black, that white, that blue, that little spray paint. That little badge that says, this is the path that you want to be on. And when you come to an intersection, you can find the different colors on the tree and you can find the path you want to be on. In a similar fashion, Solomon sits down with his son and he puts out a map of the world before him and he says, son, now pay attention. You see these paths here? Don't take those paths. Those paths go to death. And then he turns his son to the other side of the map and he says, Son, do you see this road right here? Take that road. That's the road of righteousness that leads to eternal life. You see, what Solomon teaches his son in Proverbs chapter 2 is that Jesus only can get you safely through life. Jesus alone gets you safely through life. So my friends, know him. Know him and his ways. This morning, let us be students of Solomon's wisdom. Where he will show us Christ and his ways in this world. Notice first that Solomon says that the right path through the wild that is our lives. That reaches safely to eternal life. Begins with our posture. You see in verse 4, he says to his son, you must seek wisdom. You must search for her as for silver and for hidden treasure. By silver and hidden treasure, Solomon simply means a greatly desired thing. Even as you might spend your life trying to amass a paycheck. I mean, how many of you spent years of your life trying to earn the right to a paycheck? You know, we call it college. How many of you have spent years of your life chasing a paycheck how many hours a week do you spend taking care of your kids or earning a paycheck the reality is is that most of humanity spends most of their existence chasing silver chasing hidden treasures and solomon says let it not be so with you my son search and seek for wisdom let wisdom be the preeminent hunt that marks your life But notice also in verses 1 through 3 
that this is an, un, a, a, an ex, extraordinary and an unusual hunt. One does not find it by going off into the dark places as one finds a sibling in hide and seek. Rather, he says, wisdom is openly available. It is in my words. It is in my commands. It is in the things I say to you that reach your ears and your heart. The way one seeks for wisdom, according to Solomon, is by sitting down. The way one searches out wisdom, according to Solomon, is by listening with the ears and listening with the heart. You see, it is the word of our Father that makes us wise. This could be applied rightly to our earthly fathers and mothers. That if we listen to our parents as children, we will grow in wisdom. This could be applied to the adults in the room too. How many of you have outgrown your mentors? It's a trick question. None of you is the correct answer. There's never been a human who was too old and too mature and too wise to not benefit from someone else being their mentor, being a disciple-making influence, an accountability partner or prayer partner. Wisdom comes by listening. Wisdom comes by submitting ourselves to the words of the wise. But of course, ultimately, Solomon has in mind that heavenly Father's words and our heavenly Father's commands. Wisdom comes as children when we submit to our parents. But wisdom also comes as adults when we submit to one another. But ultimately and supremely, wisdom comes when we submit to the Word of God. When we read our Bibles and learn what God has to say in them. When our ears are opened and our hearts are attentive. But in verse 3, it is not only a submissive, listening posture that is essential for acquiring wisdom. It is also a prayerful one. In verse 3, Solomon tells his son that it's not enough to receive the word. You have to receive the word with prayer. You have to cry out for discernment. You have to petition God for understanding. There isn't a preacher worth his salt who doesn't feel the impact of verse 3. So many hours of sermon prep are wasted as preachers don't pray. My childhood preacher was fond of saying, prayerless preaching kills. He was quoting a Puritan. Dear friends, We learn the scriptures through prayer, not through conceited study, not through our self-exertion of will. Oh, I'll do better. I'll be more faithful. No, it is this humble dependence on the Spirit of God to be our teacher, that we might know the wisdom of God found in the Word of God. If we are to be diligent seekers and diligent searchers, then we must look in the right places, preeminently the scriptures. But we must also look in the right spirit, preeminently prayer, a humble reliance upon God who teaches us his word. This is the first step on the right road to eternal life. If we are to get safely from wherever we are today to the glorious bliss of the fellowship of the Heavenly Father in heaven one day, then the path begins with the word of God and prayer. 
Then the journey begins, whether it's Monday or Tuesday or Sunday, whether it's tonight or tomorrow, my friends, you can always restart. And the restart always begins with a humble heart submitting itself to word and prayer. Solomon says to his son that if you do this, if you take the posture of humility and submit yourself to the scriptures and to prayer, there are two things you will learn. You will learn God. And you will learn God's ways. Notice in verse 5, he says that if, if you read the scriptures, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. Is this not surprising? I mean, how many of you spent all your personal devotions this past week reading Bible passages thinking it was saying something about you? I do that all the time. What does God want me to know? I do this as a preacher in my sermon prep where I'm sitting upstairs in my study and I'm thinking, what do I need to tell these people about their lives? And then the Holy Spirit whispers, that's not actually the subject of your text. Jesus is. The Bible passage exists to reveal God to us. Proverbs chapter 2 was written by Solomon that we might understand the fear of the Lord. That we might find knowledge of God. The first and most important subject in the scriptures is God. And we might know Him. He has spoken to us. He says in verse 6, He gives us wisdom. His mouth brings forth knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. That is found in the printed pages right here. Here is a storehouse of wisdom. Here is a bank account full of wisdom in which God has treasured up for us all that we need to know about Him. The knowledge of God is available to us. The fear of the Lord that He should be first, that He should be reverenced, that we should live in awe of Him is rightly and readily available in the pages of Scripture if we should prayerfully submit to them. He also is further a shield to those who will walk uprightly in that word. If we seek the face of God in the pages of Scripture, we shall surely see Him. But what is more, if we will walk in His will that He reveals to us in His word, we will enjoy His grace as a shield above us, Psalm 5. He will shelter us in His love as we walk in His ways. Verse 8, He is a guard for the paths, preserving the way of his saints. What Solomon says to his son is that the one who studies the scriptures, and what is more, the one who does them, the one who knows them, and the one who obeys them, is the one who walks in fellowship with God. Solomon, it seems, is imagining Adam in the cool of the day in the garden. You see, my friends, there is still a way for humans to walk hand in hand with God. It's called the Scriptures. And it's called prayer. That if we were to rise in the cool of the day, that is the early morning, and if we were to lay down in the cool of the day, that is the evening, with the Bible on our hearts and in our minds, with prayer ascending from us, then we, like our father Adam, would be walking with God in the cool of the day. He reveals Himself to us in the Scriptures. 
He speaks to us and we can speak to him. You see, this is the first of wisdom's ways. To fear God and to enter into fellowship with him. To know him as he reveals himself to us in his word. This is what he would have his son know. Friends, read your Bibles. Read them prayerfully. Listen to the sermon. Listen to it prayerfully. For in such humble, submissive hearts, we will find God revealed to us. And we will find fellowship with our Father. But the second thing we will learn, beginning in verse 9, then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. For those students of Calvin's Institutes, I'm guessing I'm about the only one here. Uh, For those who have read carefully the very first page of the very first chapter in the very first book, which I'm guessing is a few more of you, of Calvin's Institutes, you read these words. The knowledge of self lies in the knowledge of God. That we only know ourselves when we first know God. This is what Solomon teaches his son in this chapter. Having now known God in the scriptures, we can now know ourselves as we ought to be. Verse 9, you will understand righteousness. When you find God in the scriptures, then you will find righteousness and justice, equity in every good path. You will know what it means to be human. You will know what it means to be a good human. You will know what it means to live a good life. You will be able then to live righteously, justly, with equity, walking only ever the good paths of life. If you come to the scriptures with a humble, listening heart that prayerfully says to your father, teach me, then you will learn him. And having learned him, you will then learn his ways. Because I hope that some of you are suspicious about the way I just worded that verse. It's not works righteousness, is it? What is the way for us as humans to be righteous? Faith in Jesus Christ, who imputes to us his righteousness. How then can we be humans who are just? We must be justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, which was shed for our sins. How then do we live with equity, treating one another as rightly deserved? Indeed, better than deserved. Oh, by the mercy and love of God in Christ shed abroad in our hearts. How do we find the good path? We turn to the one who said, I am the path. I am the way, the truth, and the light. My friends, this is what we find in the scriptures. And when that wisdom, which is Jesus Christ, enters your heart, verse 10... And knowledge that is Jesus Christ is pleasant to your soul. Then discretion will preserve you and understanding will keep you. Notice that those verbs there in verse 11 are the same verbs that were used of God prior in verses 7 and 8. You see God preserves and keeps his people. He preserves and keeps the path and the way by which they are saved. And he preserves and keeps us on that path. By which we are saved. That is Jesus Christ. He is the way from sin to salvation. He is the way from earth to heaven. He is the good path. 
by which we know righteousness, justice, and equity, by which we're transformed into the good human that we ought to be. Beloved, submit to the Scriptures and find there your Jesus. Is this not what Jesus Himself taught? Do you remember what He said to the Pharisees? You search the Scriptures thinking there is salvation, but I tell you, the prophets speak of Is this not what Jesus taught His disciples on the road to Emmaus? The law, the prophets, and the Psalms. The three-part summary of the whole Old Testament. He showed them story after story, song after song, proverb after proverb. This is me. It promised me. Beloved, why are the Scriptures salvation and eternal life? For in them is Christ. For in them is our Christ spoken to us, shown to us, revealed to us. God gives us Himself in Christ, and He gives us Christ in His Scriptures. Let us prayerfully read them. Let us delight in them, that their wisdom would enter our heart, and with joy we would be preserved to the end. Solomon then says to his son, there are two deadly dangers from which you are preserved. That if you spend your days in fellowship with your father, by reading the scriptures prayerfully, by submitting yourselves to the teaching of the spirit found in the scriptures, so that you see Jesus, so that you grow in your knowledge of Jesus, then there are two deadly dangers that that wisdom will keep you safe from. First, the evil man, found in verse 12. Second, the immoral woman, found in verse 16. The evil man that Solomon speaks of is a familiar one. He has a way of evil, a very particular lifestyle in which evil is the hallmark and quality of his life. First, he speaks perverse things. That is to say, he doesn't speak the scriptures. He doesn't talk about Jesus. He doesn't tell the truth. Out of his mouth come lies. What is more, he leaves the paths of uprightness. He willfully departs from the path of eternal life. He he willingly walks away from all that is good and true and just and equity. He instead rejoices in doing evil. He enters willingly into the ways of darkness. He delights in the perversity. He makes crooked his ways and his paths are devious, sinister, misleading. This evil man loves the darkness, not the light. This evil man loves the lies, not the truth. This evil man loves going astray. Not going straight ahead to glory. Who is this evil man that Solomon fears his son will fall prey to? It is himself. For the man that Solomon seems to have in mind here is again Adam. You see, from the man, the correct translation of the Hebrew word Adam came all this perversity, came all this darkness. 
when he spoke lies and stepped away from the path of uprightness. With him and from him have come all the dark and evil men of this world. That we who are born the children of Adam, the sons of Adam, as C.S. Lewis would call us, are in fact born to this nature. That we are naturally evil men. We naturally love going astray. We naturally love the darkness and the perversity of our own devious imaginations. We naturally love walking like this. And Solomon is desperate like a loving father to tell his son, the only one that can save you from yourself is Jesus Christ. He says like Nathan, you are that man. The evil man who loves to go astray. And the only one who can keep you on the right road is that new man, that second Adam, that last Adam, Jesus Christ. The one who is a new humanity. And if you are united to him in faith, you too can be a new human, a new creation in Christ Jesus. For indeed, he is not the sheep who goes astray. He is the good shepherd who seeks such sheep. He is not the one who walks in ways of darkness. Indeed, he is the great light that is shined in the ways of darkness. He does not rejoice in evil, but in doing good. He is the true human, the true Adam, the Adam as he should have been. And we can be saved from that evil human we are when we are born and conceived. But only by being made a new creation in Christ Jesus. Only by being united to Him in faith. The second danger then that Solomon warns his son of is the immoral woman. Not only do do submitting to the Scriptures and prayerfully finding the knowledge of Christ in them, do we become united to Christ And so become a new Adam, a new humanity. So too, the scriptures serve as salvation. See the word in verse 16? To deliver you from the immoral woman. This immoral woman is a familiar one as well. She is a seductress who flatters with her words. Boy, I don't know about you. But there is no temptation like the temptation that tells me how good I am. There is no temptation like the one Charles Spurgeon spoke of. When after his sermon, he went to the back of the auditorium. And this man came up to him and shook his hand vigorously and said, Pastor Spurgeon, that was a great sermon. And he says, I know, Satan already told me. Oh, there's no entrance into this wicked heart like flattery. Like pride. She forsakes the companion of her youth. She abandons her marriage covenant. And she forgets her covenant with God. And in so doing, her house becomes a house of death. Her paths, the paths of the dead. And all who walk with her never return. They never regain the paths of life. On the one hand, like everything in this text, we know this woman... She is the adulteress knocking at the door of every little boy's heart. She is the fountain of all the lust. But you know what? There's something greater and deeper going on here. 
Because again, we see a picture of Eve, do we not? Who abandoned Adam to eat the fruit. Who forgot her covenant of God to resist. And so all her house is now the house of the dead. And all who are born of her do not regain the paths of life again. You see, it makes sense that if evil man and immoral woman were to marry and have children, then all their descendants would be doomed to die in misery. This is what Solomon teaches his son. The story of the human race, the story of who he is. Son, you have entered into this story. You have been born with this sin nature and with this corrupt and fallen future. You are born of this immoral woman in her adultery with herself, her adultery with her sin, her adultery with Satan. Into this womb you were conceived with all of this corruption within you and you are in peril. You need a new mom. You need a new dad. And this is what wisdom offers you. This is what the scriptures offer you. That there should be another son. A son of Solomon who was born of woman yet without sin. We need another son. A son of Solomon who is not the son of Eve. But of Mary. Who is conceived in her who is sinful yet himself without sin. That he should be a new humanity. That he should be a new Adam. That in verse 20, you should walk the way of goodness. That you should keep to the paths of righteousness. That in the midst of this incredibly fallen humanity, in which there is nothing as far as the eye can see except evil men and immoral women, and we together make up this ruined lot, he says, yet there is a path. Of righteousness. Yet there is a way of goodness. And the upright can dwell in the land. There is a way for you to remain even when death comes. There is a way for you to endure into eternal life. And his name is Jesus Christ. He is the way. The truth. And the light. He is the wisdom of God revealed to us in the scriptures. He is the answer to the evil man who lives within you. He is the answer to the immoral woman who lives within you. He is the answer to your fallen humanity. A new sinless humanity who has loved you and given himself for you. He is the wisdom you need. And in him the blameless endure. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. Those who linger as the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve. Do not get to stay. They shall have their life under the sun. And then they shall go into everlasting damnation. But not so the sons and daughters of God. Not so those who are adopted by the royal son of Solomon. Who read these words. Who believe these words. And who alone sinlessly practiced all these words. You know how helpful it is when you're lost in the woods 
to find that little bit of paint on a tree that says, oh, you're going the right way. You know the only thing that's more helpful than that? The park ranger in that super cool hat. Showing up and saying, I got a Jeep. Let me help you. My friends, there's a path from where you're sitting right now to the heavenly glory of your Father. And that road is called Jesus. And there's a guide who will walk with you every step of the way, hand in hand, all the way there. And his name is Jesus. He knows every trail you can possibly take. He knows all the meandering ways. He knows the up and the down. I mean, he made the place after all. Jesus is the only one who can get you safely through life. Jesus is the only one who can get you safely into glory. Know him. Know him and his ways. My friends, be students of the scriptures. Know him and know his ways. Please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you for this beautiful day. A day that is abundant in sunlight and beauty. A day that is abundant in grace and in glory. We thank you, our Father, for the wonderful wisdom that we have been given through Solomon, inspired by your Holy Spirit, to write down these words that his descendants after him should know how to walk through life and how to follow the path, the path that is Christ. Father, forgive us that we each one like sheep have gone astray and we have turned everyone to our own way, but we give you thanks that you have laid our iniquity upon him. That you should freely pardon us and receive us and welcome us in peace. Our Father, we thank you for so great a salvation in so great a Savior. And we pray, Father, that we would rejoice in him and bless him in your name. We thank you for our Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.